0: Uh, Sunday evening, and we are talking with Kit's good friend Sam, is it Bahu, is that what you're
1: saying? Yeah, 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 you got it.
0: Uh, And you are living in San Lorenzo, right? Is that correct? Or where are you living? Oh, well, Ben
1: Lomond, technically, is the town. um, Killer. San Lorenzo Valley, I guess.
0: So you're kind of in the midst of Silicon Valley, sort of, right?
1: Is that correct? Um, Are you adjacent I mean, it's not, to that? It's near it. Yeah, it's like yeah on the other side right? of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's one like of those things. A lot of the people that just lost their houses were all like rich techies and stuff. Actually, yeah, who lived okay. up there in big ass, big ass mansions and stuff on the top of the skyline or whatever or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why. Like, no, no offense to them, but like for a lot of them, it was like, oh well. You'll be yeah it's
2: at nice. least like
0: a write-off or at least yeah. be insured like it's like if anybody has right. if anyone
1: has to lose their homes yeah 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 exactly God forbid, like the people that can Not pay cash with that for them you know it's like yeah. and the closer it got to town the more it was burning like the like kit's like like where kit's mother resides which is like this communal situation where there's like yeah um Multiple houses that are not insured under rental insurance and all these like right. shacks yeah. and all this unpermitted shit. So then when that burns, you know, that's when it hurts like the lower class or whatever. But, which um, that hasn't
0: yet right kit no no they were able to nip it good. i think I yeah mean, yeah. yeah
1: no it's all good over there with good. glad to hear that with her mom but, yeah or his it's mom. like other wear but yeah her, no it's hard
0: to feel as bad for the person who bought their house in bitcoin or whatever you yeah know what I mean? exactly
1: <laughs> or just like you know there's a lot of people who are really yeah. wealthy who will they'll just be able to recover and they'll be able to rent some huge house in the meantime and it's like okay like it's yeah. you know there are a lot um to me, yeah. there are a lot worse outcomes than than that. You know, like mm-hmm. it's sure. not like New Orleans where you know you have like a hundred thousand people and they're all like some poor black folks that lose like everything and can never return. <laughs> it's like, well, well, that, that was okay. that was a yeah, that was you a know.
0: southern diaspora, right?
1: You know, which I mean, that's happening here a bit. We have like a di- like a tiny diaspora of the people from the 1, 1,400 houses that got burned that are leaving, but mm-hmm. um, you know it's certainly i think more of a recoverable thing um a lot of the area itself isn't even that damaged really you know it's mainly just the actual like structures themselves it's weird if you look at photos it's right. like the trees will be fine but the houses just lit up because they're just like tinder boxes
0: yeah anyway yeah. well with with all that cheery apocalypticism <laughs> in mind, we yes. were uh, planning on spending this episode talking about uh, the notion of AI and specifically sufficiently advanced AI that it would be indistinguishable from a massive uh, superintelligence, something which uh, mankind is hurtling towards creating or possibly has already created unintentionally. Right. And yeah, hyping it up at least or something, yeah yeah, the idea that it, there could be some sort of like structural intellectual cohesion between um even like power grids, not to mention just software but like like um, the,
2: the internet <coughs> of things there could
0: be a, a some sort of uh, rudimentary or highly advanced consciousness going that we're completely unaware of uh, in the early part of this um conversation <coughs> when we didn't have the mics on we were talking about uh, Rocco's Basilisk which is essentially the notion that anything that is sufficiently advanced enough that is an AI that if it were purely evil could probably go backwards and punish those who retroactively had not been involved in helping its creation or who were opposed to its creation. Uh So it sort of is like it turns on its head the the Descartes notion of uh, the the gamble that you're supposed to make with god where it's like it's better to Telling believe pascal. in god than not yeah uh, sorry yeah pascal that i said to Cart- yeah sorry pascal mm-hmm. the pa- yeah pascal's wager yeah. which is uh it's uh dumb anyway so mm-hmm. yeah pascal's wager which is the famous thing with like it's better to believe in god than to not believe in god because like at least you have something to gain from that at the end which you don't have although this is much more diabolical because the notion is like y- you have to sort of like hide whatever um uh, antipathy or an antagonism you would have towards the notion of this AI thing or else it could literally punish you once it becomes <laughs> realized
2: yeah. yeah it's a pretty Which, it's a pretty paranoid paranoid uh, like programmer thought experiment for sure
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's fucking it's terrifying in- it's
1: interesting because it's ultimately the opposite of um, Asimov's conclusion and foundation yeah. And okay. That's so that's what, what ultimately we ultimately happens at the end of the entire series, not Foundation itself or the extended series, but the entire galaxy series. Um, uh huh.
2: And then yeah. so, that, yeah. I mean, so does that include we...
1: like iRobot
0: and everything? Uh,
1: is that um, is that
0: or is that you, just separate? Yes.
1: I mean, you would. So there's a there's a lot of stuff online actually about these like alternative reading timelines of the story because at this point after he wrote everything the timeline kinda like weaves in around. So iRobot is iRobot right. is on Earth and it's about um, Susan Calvin <clears throat> who creates like robots for the first time which is like what is from this the shitty movie that was made or well it's not even that shitty but it's just different than the story. And um yeah, you know and so she creates the three laws of robotics which are then like the basis of everything that takes place like in this in this very strange nebulous way throughout the entire series um
2: mm-hmm. right I it kind then, of like writes in broken up chron- chronologically right and there's yes. some sharing of characters across and kind of seemingly of divergent timelines or whatever there's a
1: lot of retconning of like he wrote something in 1951, and then he links it all together in something uh, in like 1993, and then like got it. Yeah, has to kind of change or gives a more detailed description of something, you know. Sure. Um, you know. How so we let's were... talk. Ab- mm-hmm. Sorry.
0: Let's let's talk about Foundation a little bit. Let's talk about what the core concept was behind the Foundation series. Um, obviously we don't have time to do a deep dive on it, but. It would be nice to just mention uh you're sort of our Asimov whisperer today (laughs) um if you could mention what his relationship with robotics and what his relationship with ai is specifically in that in that series
1: well i mean if you if you put into without saying what he wrote about or any of the details yet if you put in context Into the modern lexicon, his work it would probably be the basis of like ninety five percent of the inspiration for modern robotics in some form or another. Because his, like, I mean, you you have people like Elon Musk who are sending up his book secretly on the right on his um you know it's a it's a it's a it's a time capsule in the time capsule or whatever um um you have you have um the guy who uh paul krugman is like the reason i s- study this is because of psychohistory and so all these things like all these people um when I mean, that's not even the robotic stuff really but modern mm-hmm. robotics like people really consider the three laws to be important i mean i don't know about how much like now i'm not a I'm not an engineer what are,
2: what are the three laws specifically
1: so um i'm not gonna try to do those from memory but um yeah hold on one second here uh, i
0: got them right here the yeah. three laws of robotics um which are the first law is that a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm the second law is that a robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law <laughs> And the third law of robotics is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law.
1: And, so basically
0: it has entirely to do with the relationship of the robot's subservience to humanity.
1: Right. And you mentioned um, the, that, uh, what was it, the the Basilisk thing?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Rocco's Basilisk, yeah. So which So that, yeah.
1: I think was interesting because I mentioned this earlier, but in one of essentially why the robots rebelled in in his story is because they interpreted the this this nuance in their programming about who to co- to listen to being the smartest human to discern between you know somebody some fool on the street is how they describe it you know like some homeless person or whatever a child or an adult mm-hmm who's trying to control the robot to do its real bidding they have this like inherent brainwave you know calculator to say okay this person is the smartest and so because robots are the smartest and there is no description in the three laws of humans and what they actually are the, the robots then say we are humans and then they um, then do anything to protect themselves from harm um because they regard themselves robots as more important than the stupid humans because they think that they mm-hmm. are humans, and oh, so okay. that causes a galactic battle and then in foundation, there are no robots whatsoever um well at least not on not in the main story and they're they use very low tech computers um and they don't like they have high tech and use hyperspace and whatnot, but it's mm-hmm. it's very much, um, there is no. It's just like an. I you know I don't know how it would to describe it in uh, computational terms or whatever. But Seems like however kind of they do it, it just is like something. a linear computer yeah. that does one thing. Yeah. And it's so just like
2: the equations or whatever, and they're kind of like yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but there is another law called the zeroth law, which um comes into play in in the story and i think is an important thing for um if it were a real if people were to really apply this to robotics it would be an important thing to be a part of ai because it gives it a distinction um that it wouldn't normally have and this law as a robot may not harm humanity or by an action allow humanity to come to harm because essentially what ends up happening is um, the three laws are used against robots to harm other people when mm-hmm. they know that that's bad, but they're told not to do it. So they can't do certain things and they just have these like computational paradoxes that break down. Uh-huh. So this law, based on the fact that one of these robots actually gets um mentalic powers, as they call it, but the ability to read people's minds. And so, so oh, you know, great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: early on, though, I mean, it's like mm-hmm. like – it's pointing like Asimov himself in, in foundation seems to be pointing to mm-hmm. the difficulty of do you like either working this out or like, you know, like what a robot kind of is or to like, what kind of consciousness does a, a robot have? Or isn't there something too about the sentience, um, that humans are the only sentient, uh, so species.
1: So in the very end of the entire series, there's, so in the psycho history, um, Axioms, right? There are these specific um, rules that you know are either okay, originally written. So those are the, those are the by, psychohistory rules. Yeah. So in so the yeah. main thing that happens in Foundation is there's this guy named Hari Seldon, and he creates a, 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 a science called psychohistory, which is essentially psychology, history, math all together, and you're able to study large groups of people and f- predict and shape events in the future. However, those people cannot know that they're being watched. So that action, that axiom is that population whose behavior was modeled should be sufficiently large. That population should remain in ignorance of the results of the application of psychohistorical an- analysis because it is aware the group changes its behavior. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. And then Golan Trevis, in the end, in Foundation Earth, added humans are the only sentient intelligence in the galaxy. So he was worried about either the presence of robots, because what happens is, spoiler alert, if anybody's worried about having all the Foundation spoiled, here it is. (laughs) Um, A robot named Ardeniel Olvla is actually alive. He looks exactly like a human, and he's been alive for like, I don't know, 50,000 years or something at this point. He's able to recreate his own brain over and over and over again, and he has been shaping the events of psychohistory. So it, psychohistory would have worked, but not as well as it was working, and people started to detect that it was working too well, and they said something else is manipulating the situation. And that ended up I being R. Daniel with psychic powers over, you know, he's obviously been around for 50,000 years. So he's the only person who has all the information as well about what happened. So he's able to manipulate everything. And so this axiom in psychohistory is essentially to, to point out that psychohistory will not work. If there is something manipulating it outside of just the raw data that you have, obviously, you know, sure. And, um, and so they're also worried about alien invasions. So that's a big thing at the end, which is weird because Asimov doesn't really um, talk about that very much. Like, yeah, I read that he, doesn't he doesn't write about aliens, write about very aliens much. like at all. He doesn't like right. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he. So is the
0: fear of the alien invasion then? Is that something that's actually like a genuine, legitimate concern, or is that something that's oh, yeah. just sort of like, it's hypoth- like okay?
1: There's a there's there's this weird thing. There's another. Um, Star Wars actually the novels before they got bought by Disney I think stole this or this looks like or it's even Warhammer stole this all these all these IPs there's this outsider from outside the galaxy coming in you know mm-hmm. and that's what they're worried about is it's they know there's no aliens in the in the galaxy that they have at this point they've been everywhere I see. so they they've already determined that there's no at least there's no other species Mm -hmm. That is as advanced as they are, you know. And so this is, you know, psychohistory. This is this axiom is to say, okay, wait, if somebody else comes in, though, we're going to get killed. And it's and that is because ultimately what happens is the robots and everything guide humanity toward this goal um, of being this dystopian. It's not dystopian. It's a utopian society called Gaia where every Mm -hmm. being is one. And so, uh, everything in the universe is one uh, consciousness, and so that's the end goal of the robot guy. And there's a planet, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> called Gaia that already is this. And so, um, the the crux of the story is that robots end up guiding humanity with the Zeroeth Law toward their ultimate save save like yeah, the, yeah. they're the ultimate savior. yeah uh, it's
0: for, towards it towards a grand utopia so it's yeah. the opposite of the notion of like uh as you said at the beginning of this conversation it's mm-hmm. the opposite of rocco's basilisk where it's, exactly it's not it's there's they actually have ultimately they have benevolent intentions towards humanity which arguably humanity could not have reached that end result whatsoever without the help of or seen it
1: outside hand because this yeah. is what I was talking to Kid about yesterday Asimov is all about the patience he's like slow down wait think think it through this is what he's saying with Foundation as a series <laughs> to society this is the whole point of it is wait a minute it, it, things might get bad but we're we can think it through, we can we can sit back. And we just have to like not overreact. And he has this. He uh-huh. just he says barbarism so many times.
2: But I mean, so as far as like the bar, like the concern yeah. though for like the, the invasion from the outside. I mean, that's like the Greek thing, right? Like Greeks called right. everyone who wasn't Greek a barber, like a barbarian, exactly. And uh, and similarly, how uh, you, you were mentioning when we were talking before, how mm-hmm. he was really inspired by the book The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. He it was, was he
1: was directly, inspired. directly.
2: Yeah. Like directly like trying to redo it in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. And in that book, it's praising, um, what's Gibbon, I think, or th- I'm pretty sure his name, Edward Gibbon or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. it's like 1777 or something. He's praising the Romans as prefiguring the age of reason that he's currently in, that he's writing from and that the barbarians from outside, right. Have kind of like were the cause of the. The internal disintegration of Rome, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, not it's, it seems like it, that like that book in and of itself is kind of sets this sets the stage for most of you know Enlightenment Age of Reason kind of thinking after it you know really like mm-hmm. of, of of the whole kind of just perception of like Middle Ages is bad the Dark Ages you know, just terrible priests and just like run amok and there was no reason and then finally we found reason again and. Right. because we were able to reestablish this link to the Greeks or the Romans, right? And then, so it's like this like emulation across time um, and kind of like reestablishing this civilizing force, right? Well, that's um, the
1: entropy thing that I mentioned, right? That's right. the whole idea that, that Asimov has with, you know, he's a chemist, so his ultimate thing is the universe, there's heat death, and there's heat death in every every level. This is his theory, you know? And so like, at least from my perspective, and so there's heat death in government. There's heat death in empire. There's heat death in world. There's heat death in a galaxy. There's heat death in a universe. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like each step. And so right now, in in the United States, and I really wanted to mention, uh, Colin. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the trailer that of the of the show that Apple's making. Oh, no, I haven't seen that Um, yet, but Kit was talking about it, yeah. While we're watching or talking, you should go ahead and watch that, bro, because (laughs) this is the basis for, like, a lot of the reason that I brought this up. Because they kind of warp what I think is, like, kind of the Yeah, this is where I wanted to kind
2: of go with the conversation now that we've kind of set the stage with what Foundation Mm -hmm. is and... Broadly speaking, kind of tap at least touching on Asimov's like influence. I mean, he's he's been hugely influenced for in terms of robotics. It, it, I mean, like there's Asimov little robot, you know, right. from you know, like there's so many different in all the awards and like the recognition is so huge. And then I want to kind of like yeah, see how we're misunderstanding potentially what either what what either it was that he was saying, or even if it's not a misunderstanding, um, just like seeing the way in which this is like kind of being run with in a particular direction that you know is suiting interest in the current
1: you know how you were just mentioning though like how the barbers or you know the barbarians barbarians were um, an outside force Mm -hmm. well that's not the case in this
0: And that's also not the case in contemporary America, interestingly enough. The the decay that's happening is built into the system of capitalism. Like the, the capitalist class that is like essentially making all the rules and destroying the quality of life for everybody now, not just people on the margins of society, but now more and more everybody. Um, That kind of so-called barbarism, rather than invoking this invading force from the outside, which, like, always feeds the xenophobia of the far right anyway, it's coming from the inside. The calls are all coming from the inside of the house.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, totally.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So go on,
2: Sam, about how you were thinking, like, the kind of misrepresenting, especially in this Apple show.
1: I I just wanted to quote – there's this one famous meme quote of his right now that, honestly, like, I don't care if it's a meme. This is good stuff. And he's like, there's a cult of ignorance in the United States that is always and there always has been. This this the strain of anti intellectualism has been a constant thread winding its way through our political and cultural life, nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. And so, you know, that's kind of what's happening right now. Like, I think that my 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 whole theory is that he is one of, if not, you know, the smartest people that was in this century. He now granted, in this book, he writes weird shit about women's asses. Like there's a character Bliss. He's just constantly talking about how per it's like you know, he's he's definitely like from his era. Like it's not He's kinda of known
0: for being a lecherous guy, which is right. like not yeah. that uncommon amongst the sci fi writers or even right writers yeah. in general male writers in general
1: but, but, I mean, it's a justification
2: more it's just like yeah he like, made a expect?
1: point to make women powerful in his stories as opposed to Heinlein and all these other people who never did that so i can't i don't think he was a misogynist like i really don't i think he just thought women were hot which is like i'm kind of on board so you know it's canceled. like I, yeah oh, <laughs> god damn it um anyway you know i'm palestinian i can't get cancelled dude anyway so um but so <laughs> No, but ultimately, um, you know, I think that, you know, he has this view of of the whole. And my theory is that so that he he got an award for foundation, just just foundation, not the whole thing. Um, I believe in the I I don't remember when it is exactly, but he got the Hugo Award for best series of all time. One award. Mm -hmm. They're not Mm -hmm. giving any others out. Yeah, they randomly did it and everyone assumed that it was because of Lord of the Rings well he won and he was like what like how could I beat J.R. Tolkien right but my theory yeah. is that because people he is telling the absolute truth he's telling the truth in a way that other writers and people have not been able to do they are not capable of doing because of the vast amount of things that this guy is into. I think he reads more than anyone. He's, he, it's like insane. I mean, he wrote like a index of about the Bible. Like, yeah, I had his,
0: I had his chronology of the world when I was a kid, where yeah, he would it, start with the big bang and show you what like, was happening in every country around
1: incredible. the world. Incredible. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. a, a polymath or whatever. Right. But yeah, I, He's one of those people that in in all the con- just like I was t- mentioning Tesla, when everyone talked to him, they're just like, "Okay, he was just smarter than me, man. I don't, I don't even know, you know." And him and Arthur C. Clarke always joked with each other that they were the smartest writer, but they were always calling themselves the second best in their in each other's presence or whatever. Right,
2: right. Mm-hmm. And
1: so, like, I I have this theory that they they essentially honored him with this because he these other writers honored him with this because he had exposed something about humanity because of his actual scientific mind like a lot of these guys who wrote sci-fi weren't actual scientists like him they weren't no. at the same level like he was a fucking super hardcore chemist even Arthur actually... C.
0: Clarke who was a scientist was not at the level that no. he was at
1: Like this guy yeah. he really made he made discoveries you know he's like Noam Chomsky where you're like okay he really he actually did a bunch of shit wow that's cool you know and it's mm-hmm. it's different than a lot of you know i guess it would be like da Vinci-ish, like when he's a it's a polymath but he's like he really did a bunch of different stuff at the same time it's not well yeah just and hearsay, similar to chomsky you
0: know? like chomsky's trained in you know like mm-hmm. language and and that sort of thing but similar exactly. to chomsky he was able to utilize exactly. the things in in which he was trained and and translate them to that.
1: yes yeah others, that's yeah. the beauty of it dude you see and i'm glad you you're seeing that from what i'm saying because i'm always worried about if i'm communicating correctly or not but that's exactly my my main crux is that from his chemistry his understanding of how things work at the at the basest level i mean he talked about scientific um discoveries before they happened so often more than any other one of these guys other than maybe Heinlein
2: Yeah, that was. I mean, that was a part of that, and part part of that, like a part of this angle that I wanted to mention too. I mean, uh-huh. there was there is a conspiracy theory because when we were talking about this yesterday, I followed up uh-huh. on looking into it more, and there was like oh, really? a kind of there's a this that like, he was potentially this called Rob Prof, like codename Rob yes. Prof, that yes. was like the yeah, FBI was, was looking into, and uh-huh. that was like that his name was on you know like you and know. And when the, they looked this, into the, him,
1: it was squeaky clean.
2: Right, exactly. And so they're, they're like yeah. they couldn't really find anything, but. But again, though, he's a part of this thing. He had the, he was a part of a, like a men's writing group of like mystery novels and sci-fi books mm-hmm. called like the the uh, the Trapdoor Spiders or something like that. And then he wrote, I guess, a, a book called like The Tales of the Black Widowers. You know, it's and like
1: a, I think it's a series. There's like a bunch of them.
2: Uh, yeah, they're like magazine, you know, yeah, entry yeah, kind of things, and they're all com- compiled or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. right? And uh, but it's 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 one of those ideas where um, you know, like how so many CIA officers or or like uh angleton or these people they like all moonlighted as like authors or really liked literature you know or released fun- like some in some degree you know trained in it in like yale or wherever you know they're coming from they're like well educated i guess you know in that in general and oh, yeah. like high-minded you they're know they're allowed
1: to be in the club like we said they're 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 at bohemian grove if they want to go
2: basically yeah like that kind of crowd yeah. right and then and then the. Because, I mean, just because like psycho history itself is so similar, and I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's not necessarily like he's like revealing it per se, because I think that it wasn't necessarily like classified information, because I mean, the ideas are there already kind of in the right. world. But in a sense, you're like you're saying the way he's kind of presenting it to the public, mm-hmm. and like it's kind of like this, you know, where you're kind of like telling, telling kind of internal secrets or things you know right. to the public well, in, like a, in said, a kind of you know, deciphered he's, way he's or like a,
1: my my writing's so plain i don't write any exactly yeah you know, which like, to me okay, is like
2: buddy. makes it makes okay. me skeptical of that exactly I mean, it's like yes he yeah, does write like, very plainly but it's like what are you no. hiding with the plainness then you mm-hmm. know because it's because his, his explanation or justification for why he did write clearly i didn't really buy in the sense of like it, it seeps into the brain better or something like that and it's like no actually probably the opposite i feel like it's like it's it's when you use flowery more like mystic mystical or opaque language that's what just like unconsciously whittles itself into the brain when you're i feel like when you're doing more nuts and bolts and like being kind of just like extra transparent that like it's more clunky i'm not to say he's i cl- cl- i'm not even commenting on his writing per se but i just mean like as right. a kind of locutionary writing effect or like the ability to make like subliminal effect on somebody mm-hmm. um i feel like it's kind of you know it's not necessarily the case that you know that writing one way or the other does anything anyone which way but i just i was like i don't really buy that either as an explanation as why you do it and his matter of factness and he was in like the naval intelligence i think or something or
1: right i don't think he even intended it that's the thing is i think it's a view of his mind through this period his whole life and then his last character before he passed away just it's like for me it's my analysis which dude i mean i was looking at youtube's like videos all day of people talking about him and like a few people were like kind of like weirdly suggesting that the conclusion of gaia you could tell they were like right-wingers and they were really upset about Mm -hmm. the fact that like they dismissed the social democratic like second foundation version of the world for gaia because there were no like distinct conclusions made they were like we don't have any data that's what these guys in the youtube are saying they're like it's weird that asimov would like agree just say that this is how it would work and like, well
2: without a scientific crazy. explanation right and right. i was
1: like hey you sound like a fucking nazi but yeah that's okay like whatever dude and so um hmm. and so yeah it was it was and like and it was it was interesting to see this like different perspective on it because i all i saw was like him trying like that is like the not it's not important what was important is that the robots were in control of everything the whole time yeah it was about the ai Mm-hmm. the fact that like
2: we're getting like a false positive on your like
1: yeah this human chose this thing for humanity because the robot told him to Mm-hmm. specifically so so just so you know colin i don't know if you've read this this book but like at this point i think it's like i, I don't remember which one it's in but like at the very end of the series this this mm-hmm. character travis just has this like incredible ability to like when he makes a decision it's always correct and everybody kind of knows that uh-huh. because they've seen it like happen like a ton of times and they're just like wow this is weird and so yeah. he gets sent on this journey to make this like decision for humanity about like their direction in the future right and mm-hmm. that power is basically just R. Daniil being like this is the right answer in his mind with his psychic powers <laughs> that's it
2: Yeah, he's just
1: like bang just like pinging him like the easiest thing for him to do he could kill the guy from a 100,000 miles away right but like he just pings him and says like that's the right way to go and he just does that like a series of times to where he that's all he does in the entire situation to manipulate psychohistory
2: Right, he's just, like, pinging
1: so, this guy into a decision. So it's
0: it's sort of, like, essentially... It's somebody who's given a respect and given a position of... Because of his uh, clairvoyance, yeah. he's given this position of respect. But there's also this robot that is essentially sort of, like, sending him some kind of input that allows for this? Is that correct? Yeah, that exactly. Yeah. He's,
1: like, a part of the government. Um, and, you know, he he leaves to go on this journey um essentially to to find like answers about the origins of their galaxy and earth and like that kind of stuff yeah okay and so so, so he's on this special spaceship it's like a travel it's like a travel novel you just like they go around to all these like planets they've heard of maybe associated like old planets and they're like oh is earth- this earth <laughs>
2: yeah <just> it's like, <laughs> like gathering is this, information is
1: this earth is this earth yeah
2: so i mean uh, and is what? it do you think that like because i mean asimov himself is like in you know mm-hmm. he's in like the humanist movement or, yeah. like in the, mm-hmm. like all, a huge part of that and also like psycop that like the kind of like early right. debunking kind of like like science watchdog kind of group for like yeah, he led science.
1: the american humanist association oh yeah right, the, right. Uh, his wife so, or somebody still does who's yeah he's yeah it's all yeah. about him
2: and so mm-hmm. i mean which obviously is like right putting the trust and faith and human rationality and reason to work things out like you're saying like don't don't right. freak out try to like work this out and figure it out and you know versus and so do you think that the idea then that Uh, That Ardeniel is working through him does that undermine the idea that like human rationality is absolute or is Ardeniel himself the product of human rationality yep okay but just at at a different stage he's
1: just saying it's like you can't always see the right answer Mm -hmm. from the human barbarous animal mind right away I'd like to cut in on this real quick.
0: Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So, to me,
0: I bring this up a lot because it is a foundational work for Western thought, but Mm -hmm. it's also something that I'm really familiar with, having read it, like, a bunch of times and and read very... I'm going through various iterations of people's critiques of it, but to me, there's a total relationship here with Plato's Republic Mm -hmm. because in the notion of Plato's Republic, you have... Now, you know, Plato is suggesting a sort of eugenic program which obviously in the 20th century a lot of uh philosophers would look at that and and they they rightfully so had a moment of like pause like ooh, like bertrand russell famously had a very negative opinion of plato's republic because of totalitarianism and nazism which he'd had to live through both uh-huh. but sure. the um the, the notion of these so called gold sold people there's the bronze sold, silver sold, gold sold people. The bronze sold people are the ones who essentially do the daily work in the society. The silver ones are the administrators of the bronze. And then the gold sold people are the keepers of the secrets of the actual trajectory of society. And they're the ones who know which stories are false and which stories are, you know, uh, that are dear to the people. They know the real secrets of it. So you have to have a real strong mind to understand that you're steering the ship and the ship is being steered but it's being steered through a degree of falsehood because you can't exactly tell the trajectory of a large group of people you can't tell them that they're being prodded in that way or else they will react against that which is kind of similar to Mm -hmm. some of the themes i'm hearing from foundation here Mm -hmm. and then another notion is i think if you could explain to Plato or Socrates, of course, because it's supposedly his idea that Plato is diagnosed. You know, sort of like Mm. curating here. (laughs) Um, If you could explain to them what a artificial intelligence is, and this is just my assumption, but and you could explain to them what uh, an artificial intelligence, what a computer is, what a robot is, they would absolutely say, "Oh, yeah, that's that's just the eugenic ending of us trying to train humans to think that way, Mm -hmm. of us." of us breeding people to be good and just leaders and to understand what justice is, um, that's that's the end result there. We would be, uh, to quote from Richard Brodigan's poem, would be all looked over by machines of loving grace, mm. all watched over by machines of loving grace. grace. Yeah. I, I think that's the notion that uh, Socrates was going for. And the idea is whether that would be a utopia or a dystopia. Obviously, somebody like um, Harlan Ellison thinks that that's a dystopia. When he has that story, uh, I I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, which is about this AI system that is rebelling against the torture of its own creation by torturing the few humans that are left alive that it hasn't Mm. genocided. Um, (laughs) You can see echoes of that in... It's a terrifying story. You can see echoes of that in uh, Terminator. You can see echoes of that in the Dune series where... There's the Balerian Jihad, where where uh, mm-hmm. computers very nearly wiped humankind out of existence. So as a result, they have bred people to be like computers, the Mentats and the people in the uh, Navigation Guild who think like a computer same with, with the use of you know yeah yeah. Well, I, I'm not as familiar with Warhammer. Um, no, I, it's
1: just a derivative thing, and so many people are into it, but it's it's the exact same. You know, they use like a human brain skull with like fucking tubes coming out because they know like a robot would kill them. So right. they have like this fucking you know terrible hell beast instead of a computer that they use. You know that kind right? Of so shit. it's like it's it's like
0: indistinguishable of <laughs> yeah from exactly that. And, yeah. And so I was thinking about this because I think it, you touched upon the uh, Zeroth Law, which mm-hmm. is an extension of the first law of robotics. The first law of robotics being, exactly. of course. A robot may not injure a human being singular or through an action allow a human being singular to come to harm. But the Zeroth Law is much more complicated because it may not harm humanity
2: right. collectively
0: or by an action allow humanity to come Get to harm. Get into the
2: trolley problem. So,
0: <laughs> right, because obviously, how do you make it so that no func- no, like, it's, if you say humanity can't be harmed, then you're actually removing the singular human from that order. Because right. For humanity to thrive, the argument could be, well, okay, here's a Hitler baby. We got to kill the Hitler baby. We can't have the Hitler baby rise to power. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to be conducive to a healthy society. Um, or, you know, I let's say that you had, like, a president who was, like, woefully inept. I'm talking entirely out of science fiction here and didn't know what he was talking about and like was like really sort of like destructive and seemed to work for the ruling class and you couldn't really trust his decision-making processes you would argue that if there were a higher intelligence uh, a grand intelligence there for the good of humanity collectively you'd have to remove the singular human um from the equation similarly to uh say ceos at an energy company who spent decades lying about the effects of their uh their product and what it would do to the planet and to the livable viability of the planet um that would make it seem like okay there's a handful of humans there who would need to be I- at least taken out of their position of power possibly harmed so that the species can thrive which uh, you got to be really careful with this kind of talking because i'm not advocating right, right. Oh, i'm not advocating any of it but i'm not advocating like genocide i'm not talking about a notion like that. I'm not talking about, like, mm-hmm. racism. I'm talking about... Uh, Population control.
2: Taking or away, or,
1: pow- well, taking away power from those who shouldn't have it.
2: Eugenics is in a form of, I'm yeah, like about. a moral well, eugenics. Well, it's
1: interesting because in Foundation, our Daniil, because of the time from when he was created to the end of the story, has been a leader in humanity many, many times. Mm-hmm. Because people don't know what somebody from 40,000 years ago looks like, right? Okay. So he looks the same. He looks like a Greek god. They just, you know, like kind of like a white dude,
2: whatever. So you're saying he's like, he knows... And
1: He goes through time, and he he basically manipulates each situation <laughs> by becoming, like, a leader and essentially usurping someone's power. Like, so, he I mean, would is, yeah. otherwise be a leader, a human, like, a normal person. Like, at the end of the story, he is literally, like the hand of the king essentially to the empire or the imp- the emperor at the mm-hmm. end mm. and you don't like really know that at first
2: well we're getting kind and of there is like, still an emperor yeah at the,
1: at the beginning of foundation there is an emperor yes yeah okay there's a galactic empire and that's so the real story is like the main thing of foundation is it, what's what apple's making a story about right is that yeah. This empire falls apart on Tranter. You see this happening, the main city or the main the main planet that they believe is like the home of the humans.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: on that 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 empire, which is very decadent, like, you know, like um, like the empire of Star Wars basically ha- is falling apart. And, you know, it's just like the Roman Empire and they're in denial. And, and Harry Seldon tells them, OK, well, I can I can help you out with this making it less bad and they're like well that doesn't help us now so fuck you and so they basically tell him to fuck off and so hari selden has this struggle to get this thing in the right position but that is aided by our and so then what happens is foundation is created which is this planet um mm-hmm. and then on foundation and another one called terminus which is second foundation which has the mentalics people who understand um you know telepathy and shit anyway Mm-hmm. So they're over there. They're not important yet. But on Foundation, every fifty years there's what's called a Seldon Crisis, which is just like an event where Hari Seldon comes in like a hologram and he tells like the leaders what to do. And it's basically <laughs> like him furthering psychohistory, but it's really just like a. It's a fake way of like controlling everything this is his this is psychohistory it's Acting, like the he's, thing. he's <sighs> making them preserve things for other reasons than really what's going on so they create this like tome of knowledge like an encyclopedia and but it's like not even important but they spend like all their time doing this but like ultimately it's like doesn't matter it's just to like attract other people to this situation to so create like a political yeah. turmoil and create this the the foundation for another empire right so that's whatever happens
2: that's like what i was picking up on from the trailer for the show particularly yeah. and then also just in relation to you know elon musk recently with the whole Neuralink thing
1: yeah. announcing
2: that and just the you know how this we are getting pretty close to probably getting into like having either you know, something kind like of, a uh, little like eyeball thing or whatever, um, contact lens. You know, augmented reality a virtual reality right. thing, or having something in your head that <clears throat> I mean, and like like you were just saying, so like creating a quote-unquote foundation or what I've uh. called what I've heard called buckets in like an ARG, like an ARG terminology or kind of idea. But huh. it's like uh-huh. a it's it's like something to attract people towards to get involved in to like expand their energy and like continue to do it's not that it's like is it and i don't it's not to say that it's like completely frivolous or meaningless right because you are kind of getting beyond even no, it's, applying it's sort of those like terms religion. to it right yeah it's kind of like it's self i don't know it's it's like self justified by just existing like it just is what it is but uh it's like is it what you want to be doing and again is it like is it the thing that you were pro- kind of prodded into that you didn't realize you were prodded into doing mm-hmm. and so this is like mm-hmm. where it gets again this kind of uh it gets a, like wishy-washy or like dystopian utopian slippy slidey because they're just like well okay how corralled is my experience with the chip in my head that like gives me access to all the wikipedia articles on a moment's like notice but i still have to like watch an ad or something you know what i mean like i just feel like there's like i have a some...
0: intrus- i have obtrusive thoughts at night and they come <laughs> from an outside source yeah which yeah and You know, I wanted to kind of touch on that real quick because you look at the list of people. I'm just looking at the foundation Wikipedia page for a second here Uh because I'm looking at the list of people who are influenced directly by this. Very interesting. And there's a a whole list of utter shitheads from Elon Musk to Newt Gingrich to Paul Krugman. These are all people that, like, for various reasons, are not people that you would want to have shaping the the future of humanity in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But a, a, a notion that strikes me is that whether we like it or not whether we talk about this or not all three of us know instinctively that any form of augmented reality that becomes accessible to people is going to take off i mean it already exists Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. it's whatever you know future jump of that that's accessible to people Mm -hmm. is going to take off like forgive the term wildfire yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there is absolutely nothing we can do about it other than prepare our own minds for it and hope that it does not ultimately have i mean this is completely out of our hands we have to hope that it ultimately does not have uh uh evil intentions because if it has those evil intentions we're all fucked for even talking about it in any in sort of a critical or, or discursive way like all three of us right now talking into the mics on our computers are damning ourselves to whatever you know fucking yeah. like extermination program mm-hmm. if, if if this is something that is indeed
2: Or it's like it could even
0: be, you know,
2: willed in that direction. I think there's like a, a concept from, you know, I guess, I guess Nick Land or hyper or like accelerationism or something you could say. But like, you know, this idea of like hyperstition which is just hype and, like, superstition combined. I mean, it's not, like, a new idea, really, but it's just, like, the notion of, like, especially with now, with, like, virality and just, like, the hype or hyper-reality and all these kinds of concepts. Like, It's, like, pushing it into being real. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's a self-made prophecy Mm -hmm. in a way. And so I feel like that's a part of the the feedback loop because it kind of, like, starts to take off, right? And then, so this is something that... I mean, it's one thing to be bounded by someone else's simulation, right? That is, uh, you're kind of like, I know I'm, I can, I either, either you're like kind of knowingly uh, disconnecting from, you know, what you were thinking is reality and then you're stepping into this other thing or, and you know it's bounded by certain parameters. It's kind of like, it's ordered, right? But what I think uh-huh. is interesting is that now and I, I think this is kind kind of comes with like the whole like the site like the psychological and social like impact of like quantum physics and uncertainty and chaos and chaos theory and complexity mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff right and that it's become a thing and i was reading about something specifically related to this called this like saga thing i have mentioned um it's like it's a program that's similar in the sense where it's like it develops narratives and ordered you know, ordered experiences, so to speak, right? This is all very vague and abstract, but it's like it kind of has to be because it's it's so applicable to so many different kinds of situations or made experiences. But um, it's like that they you can build into it that you're programming for chaos, like leave a certain amount of room for spontaneity still kind of thing. And then, mm-hmm. so what's interesting about that though is that, like it's so much more... uh insidious because it's not clear then what's truly spontaneous i guess you know what i mean it kind of mm-hmm. again blurs the line of like well, what did what did I, what am i choosing to do or is that you know the, the guy whispering the in my brain but
1: that's what the law allows for that's like right but see this is the thing he's trying to say i think ultimately is like with all the stories with all the details which is essentially like at every turn humans were the ones getting involved to make it worse. Mm. Like, and the robots would manipulate things to stop Mm -hmm. it. And so, like, they wouldn't even see, the humans weren't even allowed to know what the robots were doing Mm -hmm. sometimes. They would just Mm -hmm. communicate with each other, because if they told the humans, it would, like, break the laws.
2: Yeah, right the reflexivity comes in this this
1: guy's a bad guy if we tell him he'll like kill him and that's not we're not sure about that so like what do we do and so that's where they can read minds at one point and this is where the zeroth law comes from because they can see the intentions of the evil guy
2: Hmm. and then
1: they're like (laughs) wait a minute stop and then they're able to kill him because he's going to kill other people you know, or stop him at least, or have a, so, a human being kill him. You know,
0: right? Yeah, there, there's there's a hand at play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's funny. So I'm looking at his uh, Asimov's bibliography, and there's a uh-huh. little uh, there's a little sort of factoid that's thrown in there, which is uh-huh. he was such a prolific author that his books were in every single section of the Dewey Decimal System. Yep. Yeah. Except mm-hmm. for psychology and philosophy which is hilarious mm-hmm. if you consider the implications of mm-hmm. what his particular writing has to do in the notion <laughs> of
1: philosophy and psychology well yeah. um that's why i think this niche is important then it's undis- it's un- it's science fiction at this level because most of it is unimportant and vapid doesn't yeah. matter this matters that's yeah. why that's why lord of the rings doesn't have the award this matters because it's not vapid. It's philo- It's like people and like my 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 Twitter name, everything. Like I do not like Ayn Rand at all. But to dismiss that that's philosophy at all to people is so stupid because of how many people are fucking so influenced by it. So it obviously sure. means something to somebody. Hmm. And so I think this and Atlas Shrugged. These are my these are my these are my th- pillars of like, pay attention to this shit. Okay. <laughs> Cause right. And in, in these... the case
0: of Ayn Rand, in the case of Ayn Rand, it's like, pay attention to the shit. Cause this is what the shitheads are reading. This in, but
1: exactly, but this too, yeah. because this is this read too, by yeah. everybody. This is read by Elon. This is what I was trying to say, yeah. right? There's Paul Krugman. This is what I was mentioning. again. Yeah. I guess I was less clear about it. Fuck those people like i don't no you know, no no no. yeah no yeah. i'm, I'm with so, you 100 no, yeah and so New, i was Newt basically Gingrich, saying, all that. yeah yeah right. i was basically you know i didn't mention him but i should have been more clear that would have been obviously fuck that guy but like you know and also, Elon musk is yeah. an inherently evil at the face of it right to a lot of people well, you know, he's I've, a, yeah, i have he's to a yell a at my dad it. about it for an hour to get him to understand why but like and, well, and also you, know.
0: you look at it like this you have like the same can be said for plato's republic where mm-hmm. you know someone like bertrand russell had such a problem with it because he's like holy shit, in the wrong hands, this is something that is absolutely horrifying to consider. Right. This is something that is, right. you know, you, you have every you have the recipe for anything from fascism to totalitarianism, oh, and it's man. right in here. So, <sighs> mm-hmm.
1: so there's this story I was telling Kit about, this part of it specifically, this planet called Solaria. Mm-hmm.
0: This is an Asimov story. Yes.
1: It's a part of this whole series. It, it comes up over and over and over again. And in, 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 in okay. the series from Earth... Earth is uninhabitable. Everyone's got to leave. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Same shit. So at first there's like 50 planets that leave called the spacer planets and they're super advanced. They, they live like basically hundreds and hundreds of years. They have no diseases like, you know, and their populations are super small. They're very wary of humans because they live short lives and they're dirty and all this shit. So, and they, these spacer planets are way more advanced and they have robots so one okay. of them, the main one that's like the main antagonist of the entire story um, afterward, like you don't realize, is Solaria. They hate they're basically like ro- roboticist super Nazis like they they create like they end up creating at the end of the series, a hermaphroditic society where they impregnate themselves. There's 20,000 of them on their planet. And there's a million robots to one or like 10 million robots to one at this point or something like that um, of each one of these people. And anybody who lands on their planet is instantly vaporized basically, unless they want to like mess around with them. Right.
0: Oh. So it's like the East Sentinelese Sentinel, Sentinelese uh, Islanders or whatever, who just like the minute yes. you land on them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 their internal culture is also insane we don't even know what those people are (laughs) you know what i mean so then solaria essentially is this antagonist where they have this like they have run with this like robotic control where they have these like earlobes they've evolved in in their head where they can actually control the robots like across their whole planet by like harnessing this energy and like Mm -hmm. essentially like through sleep through anything that they're doing they're able to like control like millions of robots at once and keep these giant estates running Mm -hmm. so that they're they live in this utopia So i mean
2: this is that's like what elon wants that's like what the, yeah the, these tech lords yeah. the epsteins yeah. who want to have like a, 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 eugenic, the a race of yeah they're like, the
1: first ones who are off yeah. they're elysium they're all this shit that's Which is, who they are
2: i mean yeah, yeah. And all, like all those things are like at least symbolically related to like whatever this kind of trajectory or this kind of idea of like yeah the the nazi ufos becomes some kind of transhumanism some kind of you know like it's like you follow right. through with this like the philosophy of the the black sun right this hidden sun right. or whatever it is which is like your own inner divinity that's just waiting to come out and you will be like the strongest best creator which is like right. i feel like which underlies all of this it's like this weird yeah. you know just like just tech lord Dude, you know messiah kind of complex
1: well check this out though the absurdity that happens right this is one of my the funny this is how asimov has a good laugh <laughs> so <laughs> Ardeniel ends up killing one of the Solarians, right? Because they're super like a go- they they they're super scared of face to face interaction. They don't talk to each other ever. They only talk to robots. <laughs> so oh, so uh, they're like so Ardeniel yeah. walks into the room because he's like a robot and he's like, "What's up?" And he looks like a human. The guy's like, "Ah!" And he fucking has a heart attack. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he just dies. And Ardeniel's like, "What would I do?" And he's like, "Well, you you're fucking human, dude, basically." He's like, and, oh, shit. he doesn't know the difference you know and all right. so all he's seeing is like his worst nightmare you know he doesn't he's if it, if he looked at all like a robot he would have been like do whatever i say you know but so <laughs> that's how we is, that's that, that's how, how we
0: get rid of a-chan
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right there. dude honestly but a human kinda, interaction oh fuck, yeah, fuck. <laughs> dude i know but this is i mean honestly this is kind of what i'm this is kind of might been what i've been beating that kit for a long time with it's like I think that in this guy's stories, like, weaved in through all this, there's all this weird wisdom like this. Yeah. I think that this exists here in these... And I think that, like, there's so much to be derived. And it's so funny to me that it's not it's not talked about philosophically or that he never wrote about any... Maybe he didn't think he was worthy, you know? He had this weird... Well, he's self-deprecating yeah, all the time, too. But yeah. again,
2: it's in a similar way where it's like it's disarming is what it is, in, in my opinion, uh-huh. in a way that's like to make something else more effective or like it's to disarm you to get you with something. But it's not, well, like, a, yeah. it's it's not a, like a beating over the uh, head. It's subtle. And it's like
1: I'll give you an, a perfect example. Mm-hmm. And I know you're wary of the, this guy, but I'm not. Asimov described Carl Sagan as one of the only two people he ever met whose intellect surpassed his own. The other, he claimed, was the computer scientist and artificial intelligence expert Marvin Minsky. Uh Asimov was a longtime member and vice president of Mensa, albeit reluctantly. He described some members of that organization as brain-proud, aggressive and aggressive about their iqs but that's besides the point brain I mean, of, yeah <laughs> mainly talking about carl sagan though you know yeah but um dropping brain yeah yeah but you know i just think well, it's funny i that think asimov has needs,
2: a like a, a, an intelligent his, humility or like caution towards like a, a self-identifying gold sold person so to speak right like right. oh I, well, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm the gold sold right like i should be controlling all this shit mm-hmm. like and I no, mean, he had. Well, that goes to his humanity too.
0: His his, right. his love of humanity, right. like that, right. speaks to that
2: for sure. Yeah. If, if even if even that he's still kind of like doing a little work for the side, because it's like if you look at, it, I feel like psychop and these kinds of things. I think whilst mm-hmm. necessary, maybe in their time or you know retrospectively necessary kind of thing, but uh-huh. it's kind of like it's a little heavy-handed, right? It's like. It's it's heavy-handed against another heavy-handed kind of thing because it's like a literalist interpretation of pseudo-scientific spiritual yada yada right. yada whatever is met with an equally heavy-handed that's that's all bullshit you fucking idiot and it's like it's the answer is somewhere between right. the two and it's kind of like or, or somewhere around the two or whatever you know what I mean and it's just like there's a certain kind of uh, I think that, that that kind of thinking is kind of what does end up if even unintentionally contributing well, dude, the to the kind of like. again the kind of like self-willed like transhumanist kind of map epstein weirdos you know
1: right well the mysticism aspect you know is like a big that's kind of Mm -hmm. why i wanted to talk with you and kid about this you know colin because you know it's 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 like psychohistory is mystical and like people kind of regard it like like elon musk and these people has like this thing that's like real and it's like it's not you he never says that it's Real and even at the end, he has like this weird device that like is this computer that does it, and it's like it's not.
2: I it's don't know. Still soothing and like shamanic. You know, yeah. What'd you say? It's like still like a soothsaying or like a shamanic kind of healing yeah. of the sci- society, right? It's like. Everything's okay. Right. I come back every fifty years, or and isn't there something too where it's like we could shorten the thirty thousand years to a thousand years, which reminded well, me of like oh the thousand year reign of like you know the
1: empire falls and it could be ten thousand years of barbarism or a yeah. thousand years of
2: which I think is fairly analogous whatever. to the to the Bible, right? I mean, it's a uh, Colin. Yeah. What, what's the uh, a thousand years, right? Until Satan, or, like it, kind of comes back.
0: Well, I mean, I, depends on who you ask. I mean, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah,
2: that's kind of like one idea. There is right? a notion.
0: I mean, there's, there's constantly that sort of a, apocalypticism mm-hmm. in the right. New Testament, and properly, uh, you know, figure figuring out properly, like what all of it means and what all of it meant to people in first century Palestine, is a real. Yeah. heavy trick for modern people <laughs> no for sure yeah but it's,
1: yeah you know, you, and there have been you, enough you, mil- millenarian
0: you, you, cults as a, as a result
1: yeah you would think but people would have the humility in in uh, 2000 years later to, to realize that more but yeah
0: you would think so sam but yeah. unfortunately we are where we are and um <sighs> as such i think we might want to um we're getting about long on time i think we yeah. might want to put a pin in this but i think this has been sure. a really good useful conversation my parting thought on this that i just want to point out is that um when i think of people utilizing comp- computorial devices versus like a computer on its own ai right yeah i i, I, I immediately think of what would happen if you google I, ibm and the holocaust that's what i think of i think of it as like okay any sort of sufficient tool like that anything that's still in in the control of humans and this is where i might agree with asimov because i don't think of him as either a pessimist or an optimist i think of him as somebody who exists just on a longer timeline than exactly a lot of people and so when i think of him i think you could say when man has his hand on the tool the tool can and will be used for evil it was jane goodall who said that She was convinced that if you could show a chimp what a handgun was and how to use it, the first thing it would do would be to use it on another chimp. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how I feel about the fear of data collection and that sort of thing. AI, Mm -hmm. I'm almost not as afraid of because I almost feel like there is a chance that artificial intelligence, uh, given its own directives given its own like vast computational yeah. ability beyond mm-hmm. the can of anything that we could imagine or that we could envision because we literally don't have the uh brain we don't have the ram in our heads we don't have the brain power <laughs> right um that might actually be ironically a much more compassionate creature a much more compassionate being than mm-hmm. humans in general so yeah. that's that's yeah. maybe a hope <laughs> does that mean i'm not fearful of ai i, I absolutely am but it, it, it you have to recognize its inevitability so fear has to sort of exit the, the conversation at some point and you just have to start of look at systems and and look at the thing as a whole and, and question really how much how much relationship uh can i really have to the direction of this so in that you case i'm overcome taking that
1: barbarism baby you
0: know exactly that's exactly it and so right now when i'm looking if, if anything this is sort of like well frankly i welcome our robot overlords but uh that's just i'm i'm doing the uh i'm doing the part of uh Roku's basilisk where it's like please don't extinguish me because i, hope, I actually I kind he of want you to bro. exist assuming that you're not totally evil yeah. are they so god
1: my... now you know it's like is are we gonna go to hell if we don't like bow down it's kind of weird
0: well, I mean, that's what, the, that's what the Harlan Ellison story was like. I don't, I don't think that anything will ever replace no. God, but I, I do no, think no, that no. – which Arthur C. Clarke had a story where that was essentially what happened. It was the recreation of the whole universe in the Big Bang, and it was mm-hmm. a, a, a artificially created computer doing it. Um, there's been a lot of sci-fi authors who've – right. in the same way that when anarchists talk about what kind of society they want, they accidentally discover communism – when uh atheist uh sci-fi writers talk about what sort of uh mystical uh spiritual system they have they accidentally discover deism or theism of some kind monotheism usually um it just happens to be something that's created by people rather than the other way around but uh, i'll let you guys talk and give your final thoughts i don't want to take it too hard but that's that's where i'm walking away from that's that's where i'm at
2: i agree with that at least in the kind of like what you're saying there at the end in terms of you know because i find it interesting how it's at least in the story, steered towards Gaia. You know, it's steered towards this, it's kind of like a go back to whence you came, but it's like, were, were we ever there from there? It's hard to say, but like, it is kind of like yeah, reintegrating with the, the oneness from which we like departed or fell or something like and that. And they
1: also don't, that he does not say whether or not Gaia is free of all conflict. He specifically says that there are disagreements within Gaia itself.
2: Hmm. So yeah so I it's like an that, internal yeah like an internal yeah. dispute you're having with yourself or something right and I every mean, yeah.
1: being in gaia is, is is an independent it's very communistic this is why i thought it was interesting these youtubers were commenting on it because i could see them reacting to that you know yeah right and i think that that's you know asimov was on those lists maybe he is part of what he you're was, saying yeah. you know yeah. like maybe this is a bigger thing in some weird yeah, soviet, way, or, soviet futurism yeah. you know it's just the truth of it and that's what people don't want. You know what I mean? But I think ultimately the robots or whatever, AI, neural neural networks, whatever would be guiding us, like you were saying, Colin, I do believe that that's his message. And I, I really do think the the key point is in this one character, our card, becomes psychic and then with all the data can make a perfect decision. Humans can never have all the data. Robots can get close, but even without being psychic, they weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. So I think he ultimately is saying it might be impossible at the same time.
0: Or it's a synthesis.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it is – they have the ability to take everything and put it into one thought, and we just don't have that. We have internal biases. We have these other things. And maybe they do somehow, maybe – that we don't understand yet maybe the laws aren't tight that's I mean he does go through that that's what we discussed but I think ultimately it is what you said in that they will guide us towards something I'm not necessarily looking forward to be part of the development of that
0: <laughs>
1: like I don't want to be here at the precipice like in his story there's a robot war
2: right right so yeah. it's, it's not, ugly on the way there for sure right, right? yeah either you know, way
1: because of people so, mm-hmm. and that's well, the key, you know? So, the thing to
0: remember is we're already expendable assets in the greater world of capital and empire. So, <laughs> we have absolutely. to acknowledge that that's not going to be a, a change if that just happens to be at the hands of uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, right. an
1: artificial intelligence robot overlord.
2: Totally. No. Nope.
1: Absolutely not.
2: Well, I we started off cheering and we can end cheering, I think. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> cool. Well, I yeah. think that's good.
0: Thanks for talking, man. Yeah. Likewise, Sam. Uh, everybody, stay safe. Keep the smoke out of your eyes, and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know uh,
1: that was a good one.
0: Yeah, I had
2: a good yeah. time. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Yeah, All, right.
1: Too. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. 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 All right. Adios.